just to have the opportunity to be this woman that was widowed, a single parent, and took, you know, her two daughters, you know, and, and walked them through this life that was difficult not being, uh, you know, married and just kind of having to tackle everything by myself made me strong. And I'm able to be a voice for other women, which has been the biggest highlight that I could ever ask for in my life because other women have gone through these struggles and having daughters that have eating disorders or being the heavier set woman on, on stage. You know, I've, I've helped women, you know, learn that it's not about looks that has your talent within. It's what you do with your talent that counts. It's not how, you know, who cares about how people perceive you. It's going to be what you feel and how you believe in yourself to accomplish anything you want. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. All right, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Okay, so very excited you're here because we have a very special guest. Yes, Vicki Guerrero. She is an amazing woman. You just heard her unbelievable story, right? I was just completely enthralled by the tenacity, the perseverance of this person. Uh, she's been through a lot. This woman has been through a lot and come out on top. This is someone we can learn from. This is someone we can be inspired by. And she, just as you just heard, just very inspiring. Um, you know, the the whole, that's what this whole podcast is. You're going to learn about, look, you're going to learn about a little bit of her backstory growing up um, here in Texas. And, um, you know, she was famously married to uh, Eddie Guerrero, very famous wrestler uh, who passed away. And, uh, you know, he passed away under very difficult circumstances. And, you know, she gets into that a little bit and, and is very candid and open about it and that struggle and what she went through and how she came out on top about it. And, it, you know, it's been a while. So it, she's just very determined at this point, you know, to what she wants and where she's going. And I love that about her. She's just a very, very special person, uh, you know, and you're going to enjoy this podcast. I really believe that. Um, like you do all of them. I mean, but this one's extra special. Um, I really feel so again, great story, great woman. And, um, yeah, you know, look, she's a wrestler, right? That's her backstory. She's a wrestler. She's been through a lot, um, uh, managing. I mean, she's done some crazy stuff. You just go on YouTube and look at clips of her doing it. It's just awesome. You know, you can Google, uh, do some, uh, image searches of her too. Just amazing. Just really, really great. And I'm, you know, we'll show some here on the, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see some, some images and stuff over, but you can really get a, a good glimpse of her. And if you're a fan of her, you already know what a badass she is. So before we get to the episode, please check us out on social media, okay? Texas Real Food, all right? And if you want more information about the podcast, me, the team, back episodes, all that sort of stuff, thelonestarplate.com. Very simple to remember, thelonestarplate.com. It's almost like a little jingle there, okay? All right, uh, let's just get to the episode, am I right? Enough of me babbling, as always, this is what I do, all right? So... The episode very special guest vicky guerrero enjoy so i know you've you know you've got a long history in wrestling is this like what did you always know vicky like this this is this is me this is what i'm gonna be doing you know when i when i'm older like this is what i want to do <laughs> no, I, I don't know I, you know no i mean you know when i married eddie you know my our focus was to raise our girls for me to be at home with them. And he was going to go travel the world and do his career. And I was okay with that. Um, you know, and then when Eddie passed away, uh, things just took a sudden change uh, of a turn of events, so to speak. And I never thought in a million years that I would have the career that I have now. And I'm so thankful to God that uh, I was able to do this. <laughs> I, was, uh, I wasn't prepared, but, by the grace of God, he's been so good and um, blessing, you know, me and my, my family, you know, with this career and support our family. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. Where, you, where did you, um, were you born in Texas or you just grew up there or how, how does that, 
Everybody, no. Everybody's got a different story. I was born in El Paso, Texas. Woo! Chico town. Yeah. Um, and so, we, we, you know, with Eddie, we traveled a lot. We went to live in Mexico City. Uh, then we went from there uh, oh. to uh, Tampa, Florida, and then Phoenix, Arizona. And then when Eddie passed away, uh, I was traveling to El Paso every weekend just to see family. And so I, I just finally just bit the bullet and just said, I'm going to move to back to El Paso. And I stayed there for about five years. And then I ended up moving to Houston because the airports in El Paso suck. <laughs> That's a mild phrase for our airports in El Paso because there's only like a morning flight and an afternoon flight. And so uh, when, I'm, when I was having layovers in Houston, I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to move here and have these direct flights. And I fell in love with the city and you can't go wrong with Texas. I mean, anywhere in Texas is a great city. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're all about Texas. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I love, um, the great thing about Texas is well, you've actually lived all over Texas, which is really cool. So you've got to experience, right. How different El Paso is from Houston, for instance, right? Like that, there's a big difference. Um, when you start traveling around to the different cities. Yeah, in Houston, we have hurricanes. El Paso, we have monsoons. <laughs> and there's there's no rolling uh, tumbleweeds in the highway in Houston. It's only in El Paso. <laughs> that is funny. And also, go go Houston Astros. Like, I'm such a baseball fan. Houston's moving to Houston, so I'm rooting for them as well. Yeah, that's true. And they won a World Series recently, right? I sound so stupid saying that. I know. <laughs> Duh, yes. I, here, I'll make this my show now. Okay, yeah. guys, here we are on the Mickey Guerrero show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I know they were involved in some controversy. Uh, you know, my, my one of my good friends, uh, Trevor, and actually Trevor helped out on this show in the beginning, so our fans will know who he is. Silent Trevor, a major uh, Astros fan for sure. So if he's if he listens to this, he's going to be like, Patrick, you idiot, what are you talking about? <laughs> He would just be going to town on it. He's definitely a huge Astros fan. Okay, let's get to your sport, Vicky, because that's what I'm excited to talk about. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, I I'm always curious about how people get into what they love. What, what is the, was there a, a, you know, a pivotal moment in your life I know you talked about earlier, you didn't see yourself going there, but there had to have been something that said, you know, this is happening or is it progressive? You know what I mean? That, that sort of thing. I'm always curious what, what, uh, what led to this choice? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I had uh, four younger brothers and of course, wrestling was always on TV, and, but I was a cheerleader, the dancer, and I didn't have time for wrestling. You know, I was at the football games and stuff um, and I actually couldn't stand wrestling. You know, I mean, you, you always knew about you know, like the Randy Macho, because they're very evident, you know, they're always on commercials and always, you know, being the popular, you know, wrestler. But um, it wasn't until I dated Eddie on a blind date that um, he had told me that he was a wrestler. And I was just like, oh, whatever. You know, I, I really didn't. He was cute. I mean, he was just like this handsome guy that, you know, and let me give you a little secret. So in Clint, we had cowboys and, and the haircut was very short off the collar, very strict dress code. And when I met Eddie for the first time, he had the long hair, tight jeans and cowboy boots. And I was like, and the Mexican big, you know, muscles and just cute features. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm dating a real rocker. Like I thought I've, I have made my, my plateau in guys. And, um, you know, he, he wrestled and I, it wasn't until maybe three or four years, I started to respect the business. And I actually fell in love with it because his whole family was into wrestling and his dad promoted in El Paso Coliseum. So to go to the shows and to see Eddie, you know, train so much and to work as hard as he did, uh, I started falling in love with the sport as well. And then when we got married, um, you know, we moved with him to Mexico City so he could train and wrestling just became a part of my life, which I started to, to learn about the sport and have respect and uh, to meet the family that's part of the wrestling industry was just, um, it's your second family. So I fell in love with them. And, um, you know, actually when I was dating Eddie, I thought, oh, I always had a crush on the Von Erics. And I thought, this is my chance to get to meet the Von Erics. And that, th those are the guys I wanted to actually date. But it was really a big joke with Eddie because um, once I met them, I'm like, nah, I'll stick with you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. That is so funny. That's yeah, a great, that's great. That's yeah. Hilarious. I mean, you know, and um, just from you know, Eddie and I were married for almost fifteen years, and so to to be a part of the the family, so to speak, on the outside, you know, I was behind the camera, Eddie was in front of it, and to see the struggles and the victories and. Um, Eddie had a lot of things uh, he struggled with, with drugs and alcohol. And so I was kind of the back scenes type, you know, to take care of him with his job. And then when he passed away, um, I just became part of this family that they welcomed me into. And so it's just, it's a big story and I, I'm really proud of it. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, what a great, uh, that's amazing. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear about, uh, obviously, you know, him passing away. That's uh, unfortunate uh, for sure. Uh, I'm glad you're able to step in and that sounds like a, a happy ending of sorts. Um, what, what is that? I'm sure I'm assuming, you know, I'm from the restaurant industry for, for the most part. And I know that, um, you know, mental health issues, drugs, alcohol is a major part of my industry. I mean, major mm -hmm. part of the industry. Is that something, in fact, Tom, I think even touched on it a little bit as well. Like, I'm assuming that is, you know, these are struggles, that, you know, that wrestlers have to go through because there's just a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on you, right? There's a lot of, just a lot of very yeah. life, right? To, to deal with all of this. Absolutely. Because, you know, when the guys, you know, back in Eddie's time when he was going through Mexico, Japan, WCW, and then WWF, which turned into WWE, when the guys were injured, you really couldn't say anything because you would lose your spot, so to speak, on the show. And they would, you know, send you home or if there was surgery or if there was a long time to recover from an injury, the guys knew that that was going to be um, detrimental to their career because, you know, the guys were to get on the card and to have this TV time. And when they're injured and uh, they know that that means that they're going to lose their TV spot, they usually um, took care of their ailments through drugs and alcohol just to get them through the next show. And it was rather a respect to them, you know, because I saw through Eddie's injuries, um, he would drink. And then, of course, you know, the drugs ended up, um, you know, getting worse, you know, from going from, you know, smoking marijuana to using opioids on a daily basis. And um, the amount of pills that he was taking, you know, eventually led to him getting fired and through all his rehab, you know, so that was something that the guys knew how to cope with or try to cope with because, you know, their career was so important to them and they worked hard for it. And that was something that they, that they were very serious about and they weren't going to let some injury, you know, delay them, you know, to be on the next pay-per-view or the next international tour. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's, it was a rather, you know, sad situation. And now today they have a lot of protocols, you know, with wellness programs and, um, you know, taking care of their mental health and, you know, the, the cardiac aspect of it, make sure the guy's hearts are healthy. And so there's been some good positives through that movement, you know, to take care of the guys and, and now rehab is not such a, a quiet word anymore. You know, they're um, through WWE and uh, other, you know, um, AEW, they're helping these guys, you know, seek help, rehab and stuff. So um, now it's a um, it's a welcome conversation. And it's not such a, you know, elephant in the room anymore, which I'm really grateful for. This seems like a problem that's in a lot of sports, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and through the wrestling, we've lost a lot of great, you know, talents through uh, guys, you know, do drug abuse and um, injuries. So um, it, it's really sad that it took so many people to lose their lives for, before they started having some proactive, um, you know, uh, programs, you know, to help the guys. And and it's not a perfect world, you know, and there's, you know, people kind of hide things and, you know, they just, everyone's just trying to struggle just to get, you know, their career in, in this industry, just like entertainment and, uh, you know, celebrities, it's everywhere. It's not just the wrestling industry. So it's a worldwide problem that I think people are starting to uh, welcome with open arms and have more compassion for these people that are struggling with drugs and alcohol and mental health and, um, you know, body image. I mean, there's so many things that now we're able to, with social media, you can actually make awareness and, and it's okay to be, you know, talking about it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's positive. I love it. I, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, you got to be able to have the conversation, uh, right, in order to get yeah. the solution. Otherwise, if we're shaming people or shunning people or canceling people out of here because of these things, it does us no good, right? It, 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 we're not going to get anywhere. So I'm happy to hear that, you know, these conversations are, are being had and it's a lot easier because, um, again, a lot of this is a disease. You know, I think a lot of yeah. this 
disease. You know, you're dealing with pressures and stress and just just high intensity stuff. Um, and again, like you said, these pro and you've got pain, so you're looking for something to relieve the pain, which is natural. And then all of a sudden, it just becomes this whirlwind. Uh, you know, yeah, that story is is has been told. So yeah, um, having the conversation, having the tough conversation is 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 the only way uh, forward. Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, so yeah, that's absolutely, yeah. And I think it's just uh, it's long overdue, you know. But it's really sad back then, you know. It wasn't, you know. It was just such a, a quiet topic, you know, but uh, also working with women, you know, in the industry, it's, it's a very uh, stressful time too, you know, when they had to have this certain body image and, you know, um, my daughter even had an eating disorder, you know, because she was taught that this body image is supposed to be the Barbie, you know, style and type. And um, we've, we've broken a lot of barriers with that, you know, through me being in the women's locker room and uh, showing the public that, you know, it's not just the Barbie type, you know, you can be overweight and you can be an exceptional talent on in our industry and i think that's so important for women and i love being part of the all elite wrestling roster because there's such a diverse um uh palette of women you know you have the skinny the heavy the the demons you have you know the the playboys you have um women that are just different uh body types and personalities and i i love that because it's just welcoming our fans to love someone in our in our locker room they can connect with that certain person and feel accepted in our world that's awesome now that's powerful that's actually making yeah. change. that that's generational change that's what i call it the, yeah. those are the types of things that you'll see influenced in other generations that's awesome that's great because yeah. that's reality right that's real body types like there's no so crazy to me right that, that, that we're gonna <laughs> And right, but more for women. I mean, there's no question that women uh, deal, thousand times deal with that more than than a man has to. Uh, but yeah, that that just I mean, that's not reality that, you know, that we're all perfect and have the best figures and hourglass figures and this, that and the other. Uh, so, yeah, that that's it's just about being healthy, I think. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's just healthy. But what does that mean? That, that means a lot. Everybody's different. We're all we're all completely different. So. Yeah, that's awesome. What what um what what's coming up with, you know, what you got going on in the next few months, and what as a second, I guess a pre, first part to that that question would be how uh, how did the pandemic sort of affect everything you have you know going on? Uh, it sucked my calendar. <laughs> I, uh, you know, when the when the COVID just started becoming to the news, you know, I must have had maybe forty dates on my calendar starting from, you know, February all the way through uh, September, October. And as this COVID started becoming more evident that it was affecting not only, you know, the United States, but worldwide and promoters were not being allowed to have their shows. I started seeing all these events um, get erased from my calendar. And that's when I knew that it was something serious because, you know, you think, oh, it's just, you think it's like some kind of flu that's over in, you know, China, you think, oh, we're going to be okay because, you know, we'll, we'll get this handled. but Lo and behold, you know, you look at three or four months later and you're just like, this was something that needed to be addressed, you know, and to take care of everyone with different precautions. Um, it, it hit us hard, you know, I mean, the wrestling promotions, uh, everyone just kind of stopped and, you know, were sitting home and they didn't, no one knew what to do. But uh, what I love about AEW is that they started, you know, they, they could film in the outdoor arena, which is located in Jacksonville, Florida, and they used their roster to be the audience. And AEW is the first ones that started COVID testing. So people felt very safe to know that they could be working with along their colleagues and to, you know, put on a great show and know that everyone was taking, you know, the right precautions, you know, to, to uh, be healthy. And if you were exposed, then, you know, you got to take care of yourself and there was no question about it. You know, you got sent home, you got to isolate. I think that's just an amazing effort that they showed that you know that we want to wrestle so much and they want to carry on the show and but we're going to take these precautions and i think that was pretty clever of them you know to start that and of course everyone else started following you know suit to have the roster be the audience and just you know um televised to the tv audience at home and i think that was pretty brilliant so it's taken a hit you know we're not traveling to different cities which i miss the fans but these past two weeks we've had the um 10 percent of the fans come in and they bought tickets and merch and they've got to yell and scream at us. And that's been a welcome uh, 
uh, you know, sight and to hear them yelling for us. And that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet you missed that for sure. I can't imagine. Especially me. Yeah, because they hate me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's it's such a part of what you do, right? That energy, that live, raw energy is just, I can't imagine that being gone and like, I, that, that has to be tough to find the motivation. How have all the wrestlers been handling that? Like finding the motivation. Okay, guys, look, it's just, it's a roster in the stands. We're, we're going to be putting this on TV, but just, what do you say to people? Is it like, imagine, do you tell people, imagine the crowd's full or forget about it? Focus on the what? match. What is the advice? Yeah, you know, well, um, we knew that it was serious when we could only televise our shows to an, to an empty audience. But uh, I think that's when our social media became even more important to us because we could still connect with our fans. And um, if there was something going on with the show, you know, we were able to have the fans relate back to us and they had their feedback. It's just very different, you know, and um, it was it's been great because, of course, you know, you get to still connect with the fans and they feel like they have like this product they can watch every week and um, still be entertained by the wrestling, you know, um, business. And uh, it's, it's very different, you know, to have an empty crowd. You know, you have to use your cameras a lot to make sure the audience is getting the, the angles and the storyline. And it's, it's, been, um, it's been different, but it's been also exciting because we've been so successful in that that we know that it works. And, um, you know, and, and with a little bit of audience coming in now, uh, it's, it's starting to get exciting that we want to see more fans come in and, and be able to travel again because that's, that's where the joy is and the fun it's to go to these different cities and, you know, uh, have these, you know, different demographics come in and uh, reach, you know, from the West Coast to the East Coast and entertain the, the, the fans, you know, in person, which is a lot better because it's not fun yelling at an empty arena. <laughs> you have to really actually become the, a good actress, you know, to know that, you know, this is a lot of fun and people, I know they're hating me right now, but you have to really listen to the voices in your head and go, oh, yeah, they're yelling right now. <laughs> so that's what you do you sort of like okay you imagine there are people you know uh despising me now that's that's yeah yeah, the motivation right that's gotta be yeah that's tough well that's interesting you know you talk about making adjustments right to be able to do this so you talk about okay now we got to film this and get the the you know the line of sight and the angles and this and that i'm wondering you know and i'm just i'm spitballing here with you vicky to be honest with you i'm wondering what will stick around once everything gets back to normal do you think you guys are do, doing anything right now that you feel like you know what this is actually great if we're, if pandemic's happening or not let's continue to do this moving forward anything like that um i think that we know that we have a um an outlet if this happens again or you know should we get another virus or whatnot you know god forbid that happens but um where AEW performs is an outdoor arena and so we have the heat elements, we have the fresh air, we have, you know, the safety and the health um, guidelines that we are able to be uh, taping our, you know, product. Um, you know, it's something that we you know we can go back on, but we want to try and, and keep within the CDC guidelines so we can uh, improve, you know, and, and to have the numbers go up in Florida to where we say, hey, people are getting healthier, um, let's start traveling and then, you know, hopefully everyone else can follow pursuit that we can, you know, all be healthy and get back to concerts and, you know, wrestling shows getting to do what they do best. Yeah, absolutely. No, I can't wait for everybody to, uh, I'm, I'm, I just cannot wait for everything to get back to, uh, to get going and not just for my own, you know, Oh, I can't wait to see things. I'm just ready for people to get back to work, right? Get their businesses open, start bringing in the money. Yeah back to their routines and doing what they do just i I just know what that will alleviate so uh that that's what i wish for um vicky what what let's i'm gonna i'm gonna completely take a left turn here because this is what i do this is this is how i do things um i'm curious it just hit me i'm i'm curious what what is your favorite moment throughout your career like in in the arena not not behind the scenes or anything but like actually in the arena do you have like some favorite moment that you love to tell some story or something. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. You know, people that don't know what I do, I'm a very bad guy on the show. Um, I play a cougar. I play a general manager. I manage different superstars. And so 
my um, manipulation to dating the younger guys is that I have the power and the guys stick with me because if they love me, then I grant them championship matches. So the people, our fans are very smart to this because they know that a bad guy is not a good guy. And so the best thing that I used to love going to see a live audience is that the elderly women hated me so much because I was dating all the cute guys and I was dating, you know, I was marrying these guys on TV, you know? So the more that I was manipulating these younger guys, these elderly women would throw popcorn at me. They would be throwing fingers at me in the audience. I'd be walking down the ramp and they tell me the most horrible things, you know, and I could hear them. And I think that was when I was doing my job well, because if I could convince them that I was, in control of these younger guys and they needed me to win these championships because I helped them cheat. I helped them, you know, steal. I would do whatever it took to, you know, be that bad guy. And um, I think the more that I succeeded, then these people would just get really irritated with me. So, uh, and I have a catchphrase. It's, it, I say, excuse me really loudly when I come out and I could just see the anger of people whenever I, I come out yelling these two words and um, it's just a lot of fun and if I can point out you know a certain lady or a, a man in the audience that's just showing so much hatred towards me I'm like yeah I got you I, I'm getting to you so that's that's the fun of it and to, to work with different you know celebrities and uh, on the show has just been such a blessing I never thought I would be able to do these things um, you know like for instance, um, I worked with the Muppets and I worked with, um, you know, The Rock and I, I was the only female to get tombstone by The Undertaker. So these things are just, um, I pinch myself because I was able to be involved with these great uh, celebrities. And so that's something that um, I know that it was, I'll never forget them. They'll be dear to my heart. That's awesome. Well, don't forget, they got to work with you too. Yeah. <laughs> That, you know, that, that is as well. Well, that's, that, that's amazing. So it sounds like, you know, Vicky, if you were to look back right on your time, I, I know you said this isn't where you thought you would be, but do you look back and think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with where things are. I'm happy with how things turned out. Yeah. You know, I, um, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, I just, I did a lot of things that I wasn't able to do when Eddie was alive and my focus was the girls and to support Eddie. But when he passed away, um, I got my college degree and I was able to, you know, be a part of the wrestling family to, uh, you know, be the superstar that I never thought I was going to be and to be a role model for my girls and to kind of help them be their own individual and, and to let them know that women do have a right to be anything they want to be and that they can have any kind of career. As long as you're happy going to work, then I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. That's all I've asked, you know? So, um, just to have the opportunity to be this woman that was widowed, a single parent, and took, you know, her two daughters, you know, and, and walked them through this life that was difficult not being, uh, you know, married and just kind of having to tackle everything by myself made me strong. And I'm able to be a voice for other women, which has been the biggest highlight that I could ever ask for in my life because other women have gone through these struggles and having daughters that have eating disorders or being the heavier set woman on, on stage, you know, I've, I've helped women, you know, learn that it's not about looks that has your talent within. It's what you do with your talent that counts. It's not how, you know, who cares about how people perceive you. It's going to be what you feel and how you believe in yourself to accomplish anything you want. You heard it here, folks. This is, I love it. <laughs> This is what Tom did do too. He like told all these inspiring things. I feel like, and I, and we had Mark Henry actually on the podcast um, uh, the of of the summer. Uh, same thing, you know, just very inspiring. I, I feel like, you know, you guys just say the most inspiring things, you know, to to about working hard and putting it in and seeing the goal and making it happen. And I love it. It's it's so uh, it's motivating, right? And it's it's what we need to hear, especially right now. Um, well, for and we're, we're in a position that we're able to be that voice for other people. Um, you know, I, I, I truly can say that when I was, you know, in my young twenties and thirties and the girls, I don't think I had a lot of women that were inspiring me. And, um, all I had was my family, you know, my aunts and my tias and my abuelitas and, you know, they they grew up only being 
to know to be at home and to cook and to raise the kids and how dare you leave El Paso because that's our home, you know, and I want it more. And I wanted to break the generational curse of being able to say, no, I'm going to step out of my boundary. I'm going to go to Houston in this huge city and find my way. I may not do it right, but I'm going to find my way. And, um, and, you know, just like with stories of, of Tom and Mark, I love those guys so much and they've gone through their stuff too. And they're just, we inspire each other. So, um, yeah, that's what it's about is just empowering one another. What, what was that like training there? Uh, cause I know wrestling in Mexico is much different than wrestling in, uh, the States. <laughs> it's just a different, right. It's a whole different, uh, animal. Um, I love it. It's, you know, they got yeah. the, the mask on. It's just, a, I love it. I love the energy. It's, it's what I grew up with too. Yeah. Uh, Mexico when I was a kid, uh, that that's the kind of figurines I had. I had the mask even when I was <laughs> all of it. Um, the capes, you know, they'd wear the capes too, right? And uh, you know all that stuff. And we'd go see matches, and you know it was crazy, uh, much different. Um, so yeah, I'm curious about that. Your time, you know, being there and, and training, and you know, working. I don't know. I'm I'm just curious about your time there. Yeah. So when my first daughter was born, uh, she was uh, six months when we moved to Mexico because Eddie was already there. He had been there for two months. And we thought we could make this work where, you know, we were poor back then. We were these two kids out of high school that thought, you know, oh, yeah, let's have a kid. That would be a great idea. Because you know? <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> you know, so we were we were so poor, but we made it work. And, and Eddie's mom was so wonderful to us. But, you know, when Eddie's gone to Mexico and I'm in El Paso, you know, raising our daughter, Shaw, it's very hard, you know, because we needed each other so much. And Eddie missed, you know, Shaw every day is more struggle for him. So he's like, I want to move y'all down here and we can, and we stay in a hotel. I mean, it was a hotel room that uh, all the wrestlers stayed at. And it was actually the best times of my, of my life because we had, uh, you know, Eddie traveled in Mexico and we stayed at a real nice hotel where it was safe, you know, because Mexico was kind of, there were sketchy areas in Mexico, but I had um, other rest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there were still uh, other wrestlers that were there that would come and go into this hotel. And so they kind of looked over me and Shawl. And I, I learned Spanish there because I'd watch the novellas and I'd watch, you know, different programs. I started picking up words. And even the people in the restaurant would not let me order food until I started ordering in Spanish because <laughs> I, I was always pointing at things, you know, that I wanted. And uh, they're like, you know, you can't, you can't order until we hear you talk in Spanish. And so I have to give a lot of props to them because they were great. And they actually um, taught my daughter to walk because uh, she had a, a, a walker. And so she would walk all over the kitchen and to the lobby. Like we, that's all we did was live there. And they put pieces of cheese on the edge of the counters and she started walking to get her cheese off the counter. So it was just really a lot of growing time and Eddie would travel probably like a week or two at a time and I stayed at the hotel and Eddie had a lot of family there. So I, I didn't do any work. I played a lot. I mean, I get to go to family parties. I was shopping with the Thea's. I was going to dinners and I got to know my way around pretty well. And we had um, some cousins that would come pick us up. And so it wasn't really too dreadful. I think Eddie was more affected by it because he had a train and he was trying to make his name in Mexico and try and work these arenas that um you know for a match they would give him a six pack of beer and a sandwich like that was his pay and so there was a lot of rough times there but i saw his dedication and he told me you know it's not going to be a lot of money but we're going to you know i'll be able to get exposed to the different you know arenas in mexico and the cities and i i loved him so much that i was like i'm here we're gonna do this together and i think with us being together it really helped him a lot and we got to you know travel with him too and I only picked the cities that were the beaches like Acapulco and um, Mazatlan because I was like, hey, if I'm going to pick my city to travel, I want to have I want to have a good destination. <laughs> and so Eddie was, Eddie was great. You know, he always um, we made extra days where we could stay on the beaches and, you know, uh, eat shrimp and mussels and, you know, drink all day. And that was our that was our little vacations that we got to have when we saved enough money. Um, but Eddie did really well. I mean, he, you know, grew as a wrestler and he got more popular and, and he was in the Arena Mexico, which is like the hugest arena there in Mexico City. And 
he was making the main events and making a name for himself and wow. it, it served a purpose and he was ready to come home after a while because um it's hard we got homesick and eddie's mom would come and see us and you know we started i mean we'd order domino's pizza in mexico city and we thought we were like so happy you know like every friday because that's a piece of the united states that we could taste <laughs> we started missing all the food but yeah. um it it was good i mean you know the families i love the culture and the love that these people have for their family in mexico because they didn't have a lot and but they were so humble and grateful for everything they had and everything was a party i mean whether it was arroz and frijoles, that was all that they had for the party and cervezas. I was there. I was like, I'll eat that. And I mean, if my daughter was potty trained or if there's a birthday or, you know, Eddie came home from a long trip, there was a party and, you know, a pachanga, let's go. And it was, they made it really fun for us. And I, I missed the family and they were very good to us. So a lot of good times, you know, a lot of hard times because I was by myself, but, um, we bought a stove and uh, I had a stove top with lots of pots and I would make spaghetti for all the wrestlers on the floor and everybody would come get their bowl of spaghetti and go back to their room and have dinner. And, you know, Shaw ran, Shaw ran the hotel. I mean, she ran the hallways and another interesting part of Mexico in the hotel was that the federales were the top floor. And so I'm sure you would know that how scary they are because they walk around with all the guns and, they don't smile at anybody, but they loved Eddie. And so Eddie always made friends with them. He goes, these are the guys that we need to keep on our side. Anything <laughs> goes down. <laughs> and so, you know, they they would always say hi to us. And, you know, they're very good to us. I mean, it's, it's whatever it is they were doing, but, you know, we always say good morning and, you know, treat them with, with respect. And it was just a really good time. And me and Chris Jericho always talked about Mexico City because he was there a lot. And so... Uh, a lot of a lot of it started there and it's just a, a big family that we have a lot of memories from, from being over there that's awesome well i didn't know a lot of people started there i didn't know that i didn't know that was like a at a minor league camp i guess right is that like sort of the thing like go down to mexico yeah. you know, learn this get that and then boom come back up and and get going that's interesting i, I didn't know that I, I didn't yeah know. um yeah a lot of wrestlers there was uh chris jericho and of course uh eddie's brothers were there um, our bar, who was a friend of Eddie's that passed away um, from drugs as well, uh, he was there too, and he brought his girlfriend and, you know, their baby, and so it was like a little vacations for us to see people come from the United States and, and be with us, and uh, it was Chris Jericho and Vampiro and uh, uh, Taya Valkyrie, who's an impact, I mean, we talk about Mexico a lot, so a lot of people went to Mexico, because that's where the good roots of Mexico wrestling, you know, start from, and that's where the training and um, you kind of get like the whole, um, gosh, the the basics really, of, you know, the, the training and the style and the culture and the respect, you know, you get to learn more respect when you're down there, you know, as a wrestler, you know, going through the arenas and traveling and um, going through the politics and, you know, getting your money. And so Eddie learned a lot and he, he's always been grateful for that, for that time over there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Oh, that's great to hear. You know, I love, I love Mexico so much. Um, you know, I know it gets, it can get a bad rap here in the States sometimes, depending on who you talk to, um, you know, just how it is. And some of it's legit and some of it's not, I hate to admit, right? That's another thing I hate to admit sometimes. Um, you know, it can be a little dangerous. It can be a little bit that, you know, whatever. Um, I have family that stayed there a lot actually the majority of my family from mexico is is there but uh a few people have moved up i've had a, a, actually a few just really one aunt and uncle and their kids like that's it that everyone else uh <laughs> doesn't want to leave mexico they don't want to <laughs> what i leave i love it here i got a great job I learned, this is my life like why would i leave uh, and I, when I was younger, I always thought that's that was the idea that, OK, you, you'll work and then move to America. I don't know. I'm so stupid. It's like, that's what you do. You, you, you'll work and then, <laughs> you know, it's like, no, this is our country. This is what uh, we yeah. love it. And, and, you know, this was this is where I want to be. And uh, I mean, my grandmother famously, uh, she hated America. She just hated coming here so much. I. <laughs> just didn't like it she hated going the food that's what it was she was like the food is so bad in america this is so bad <laughs> it's all about tacos every day and uh cook it you know my grandma 
wake up. That's the great thing about Mexico and you experience it. You go every day you're shopping for food. It seems like yeah, every day you're going to get a little something, a little this, a little that. Or, you know, the mercados are open on Tuesday and Thursdays. Right. So you go here. Yes. For, you go Thursday for this and blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I just love that. I miss it. I wish it was like that here. That's and, it. you know, even when we were there, my daughter had a, an American pediatrician that he studied over there and they have the best doctors and a lot of the technology is being learned over there you know so um it was really incredible to kind of see that you weren't really kind of isolated in this country because uh just with our pediatrician you know he was like oh i'm going to the states for two weeks but i'm coming back for class and a lot of people came to mexico you know to learn so many things and you know you always see like the just the the people making a living on the streets you know like selling the fruit with the, the chili powder and the elotes you know and all that is that stuff I, I miss a lot, you know, so but the, the people really don't take life for granted there and they appreciate everything they have. And that helped me to learn how to love life a lot more. And it wasn't about the big house and how many clothes and how many pairs of shoes you have. It was about, you know, taking care of your family and being there for each other. And that's just something that was just priceless to me when I would watch our families, you know, interact with each other. That's amazing. That's awesome. I, I love. I love hearing all of this, uh, Vicky. So what? Um, so okay. So what? What you know? Wrestling is is at this point. You know, I would say right now, like you said, with the pandemic, everyone's figuring out how to do it. Right? They're filming. They're this and that. Are there? Um, are there any plans? Like, are are you guys? even planning for 2021 at all are, are, is anybody even trying to make certain plans or is everything just let's take this day-to-day -day sort of thing I, I can't imagine well this must be yeah right now we have arenas that are booked for the end of the year you know we're still keeping dates to arenas because uh as they cancel of course you know we let the fans know that you know we're, we're not going there but um tony khan who's the owner of aew is still you know going as planned you know you you still have to reserve these huge arenas and dates to make sure that you're not conflicting with someone else, you know, doing something in that arena. So I think plans are still going forward, but of course there's a hold because, you know, everything is closed down. But I think that that's our goal is to, you know, get back in, you know, into the different cities. And uh, they had even talked about doing a UK tour, which that definitely is shut down right now. But, there, you know, we still have our goals and we still have our plans that we want to, still you know continue to be um be there for the fans in different you know cities and states so um i'm ready to travel i think that'd be fun but right now i go from houston to florida and it's it's good it's good right now <laughs> in some ways you know and not and not putting any you know aside from you know people suffering and this and that in some ways, I'm sure there might have been some benefits of getting a little me time, right? Or family time, right? Things slowed down, right? I'm sure you're so busy traveling so much all the time. And, and as much as you miss it, I'm sure it was good to stop a little bit and breathe. Now, maybe not as long this, you know, as long as this has lasted, but. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, with AEW, I mean, they've always had the schedule of working one night out of every week, except that there was a pay-per-view. They would work a Wednesday and then do the pay-per-view on Saturday. But pretty much the schedule is the guys travel on a Tuesday, you know, wrestle Wednesday, go home Thursday, and that gave them almost a whole week until they go back on that following Tuesday, which is unheard of in WWE because I would leave on a Friday and wouldn't get home until Wednesday, and I packed and I was back on the road on Friday again, regardless of, um, you know, if there's a pay-per-view or not, if there's house shows and TVs, and so it was very... Um, it was very welcoming to me when I, I heard the AEW schedule of the guys only working one day out of the week. And I think that was so refreshing because, you know, these guys you know, wrestle for 20 minutes in one match for just that one week. But all the bumps and the injuries that these guys have, they're able to go home and just rest and be with family and even schedule a vacation, you know, when you're not when you know that you're off from AEW. So. They've set a precedent in the wrestling industry of how to take care of the superstars and, of course, all the other staff, too. So to know that, you know, right now we do we do uh, tape uh, a dynamite and then we do have a live audience, but we do it on one week and then we have the next week off. So every other week we're in Florida. And it's just really nice because um, you can plan that family time and you, the guys can rest or you can actually do errands in a whole week and 
you know, and it's really kind of cool because I can, you know, have a whole week to do other things and, and plan and get ready for the next week. So, uh, AW really did well, you know, and how they wanted to, uh, you know, take care of the superstars. No, that's awesome. No, that's great. So yeah, I can't imagine not getting much of a break time for something so physical, you know, that, that beats you down so much and then not having yeah. that recovery time. Yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely gotta be difficult. What, um, God, I had a question in my head. And I feel like I just lost it, um, too. Um, gosh, give me a second here, Vicky. It was a good question too. This was like a solid, you know, it was going to be a good one. Oh man. You remember it tonight at three in the morning and be like, I got it. <laughs> Pop up in bed, like boom, like that was. <laughs> so, you know, the, look where the country is right now. Right. And what, what is happening and, and things that are, or I don't know that the, the country is at a very, there's just a lot happening. I got election. We got the pandemic. There's just, you know, th things are happening um, in the streets. Right. So I'm curious, like when you're when you guys are wrestling and you guys are putting together these events, do you all ever, you know, talk about, OK, how do we implement some of these issues in or do you all use, you know, storylines, reflect some of this stuff? Does any of that influence or do you all just have set up like this is what we're doing and blah, blah, blah. And that's just how it goes. I'm, I've always been curious about that, of how the storylines and, you know, how all that works and who decides all that, too. Um, I think as far as I could be wrong, don't quote me directly, but the time that I've been there as a superstar for All Elite Wrestling, um, we're, we're pretty much keeping a lot of politics out of our entertainment because we really want to just entertain the fans. And yeah. if, if there's anything that's trying to resemble uh, what's going on in our world, of course, COVID has been very evident in our social media because we're letting the fans know that, you know, it's important to get tested. We do wear the mask in the airport, you know, and we're relaying those things in our social media so the fans can know that, hey, we care too, you know, and this is affecting us. We, we're not just celebrities. We're in this all together. And, you know, we need to wear the mask. We need to do these, you know, precautions so that we can get everyone back together again in the arenas. Um, as far as, you know, like we, we just had um, our pay-per-view all out this past Saturday and we have a superstar MJF who's running for president or being the president of AEW. So there's the whole election feel and his cabinet and he wore the, the robe that has the United States, you know, um, emblem and the flag, you know, so I think we're trying to stay within the, the, the movements of what's going on in the States, but we're not getting into a lot of details. Um, there's a lot of events that's happened, you know, with uh, the Black Lives Matter, and we do have some superstars who wear the Black Lives Matter, you know, banner on their arms. And so they, they're very welcoming to letting the superstars express how they feel and little things that make them feel like they're representing their demographics, which I think is so great. Um, you know, so we have a lot of people that uh, try and, you know, reflect on what the events are, but I think we're also being very careful and being sensitive to what's going on in the world too. So um, I stay out of the politics on my social media because it's, I'm just going to be really real right now because we're celebrities, but we, we are also citizens of the United States. And we do have a, a sense of responsibility to pick a side. We do. That's our constitutional right. And I've learned the hard way that when I express my opinions, um, fans disagree and that, you know, the death threats come in and the insults and the bullying come into play. And I think that's really sad because they too have a right to pick a side. And I don't, I think there's a, a mutual respect that needs to be for everyone, regardless of what your role is on TV or at home or in your job, that everyone needs to agree to disagree, but with respect and compassion for each other, because my views are not perfect. My views on the side that I pick is not everything that I agree with, but you have to pick a side to, to exercise your right to be in the United States. And that's the, that's the great thing of being in America is because we do have that constitution to say, you, you pick a side and you support that side. Now, it doesn't mean that I like that person that's running in office, but the principles that I agree on, that's what I stick to. And I think that that's so important for the fans to really give us a little bit of slack and love because 
you know, it's, it's, um, I think that they kind of exempt us because of the role we play. And it's really untrue because we are, we are family members. We are moms and dads and we have kids and, you know, we, we do pick sides. And I think that for us as a locker room that we can respect each other, that says a lot. And I wish our fans would kind of follow suit to that because this is what it's about. This is the country of freedom that we live in. And um, yeah, so my social media has not been very uh, open to politics because it's sad that I can't view my opinions because um, it's just, there's a lot of hatred and it's just not my, I'm not going to bring that hatred into my world. I think that's super powerful, Vicki. I, you know, I can totally respect everything you just said, 100%. I, I get it. Um, I would be afraid if I was a celebrity to speak my true uh, feelings just because of, you know, people are crazy right now. They, they can react in a crazy way. And for you to receive death threats on yeah. an, that's insane. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Uh, I think yeah, you the head, the head on the nail when you said, we have to learn to agree to disagree sometimes. That doesn't mean cut the person off, right? Like end everything because you agree with somebody that that's yeah you're right and you know i have my and some and one of my daughters you know doesn't agree on on my political beliefs and but the great thing at the end of the conversation is hey i understand how you feel and i support that you're the individual person but you know what i love you take care and we'll talk in two days you know i mean it's still that respect for one another and um, you know, and so in the locker room, as far as our company, we're very open to be able to sit down and talk. And I think that says a lot. And if we can start there and possibly move on to our fan base that is able to not show so much hatred and, and know that, you know, we are all humans in this crazy time. And there's so many horrible things going on in this world that, um, you know, we, violence and is not the answer. It, it really isn't. And there's just so many things that need to change. But um, I think it starts with us in our own home to make that a bigger picture for us to work on. There, I said it. <laughs> with all of that, I mean, I agree with that. You know, it's, it's about love, it's about respect, right? It's about us coming together and and showcasing those things. I mean, I just couldn't agree with that anymore. You know, forget the hate, forget the haters. No, I love that, um, and that's got to be. Yeah. Someone in your position and your job, and your job is to kind of be the the you know the like you said earlier the villain in a way right and do these things but i love that it's done in you know for entertainment but also to show right that this is wrong this is like i, I love it it's a it's got to be tough um to, do people think when you're talking you know that you are your image sometimes i that has to be confusing too oh yeah I, <laughs> yeah it, it's it's really hilarious because um when I was in, well, even when I go to, to church on Sundays, uh, when it was open, people are like, you're here? Like, you're at church? And I'm like, yes, I I love I love Jesus too. <laughs> and so they just can't fathom that here I am, this horrible person that's on TV, that I'm in church praying and singing the praises of Jesus, you know? And it's just, and my husband now, I got remarried about five years ago, and he's just like, oh, my gosh, you have eyes on you. He's always the one that kind of looks out for me. I'm kind of oblivious. When I'm somewhere, I'm just Vicky. You know, I'm just I'm just getting my groceries done. I'm getting my errands done, getting the truck washed. And my husband's more because of the death threat and because of stuff that's going on my social media. He's very alert to what's going on. She's like, I guess you're not supposed to love Jesus either, huh? <laughs> You know, but it's just people can't separate. It's like a movie, you know. I mean, I go watch a movie of, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm those people that are portraying the actors and actresses are not who they are at home. And I get that. I'm very open to that. So I wish that people would kind of know that I'm, I put on my pants the same way that everyone else does. And I need water to drink. And I need, you know, I love a cerveza at night. You know, so I'm just like everyone else. So it's really funny when I get some mean stare especially from the elderly women at church they're like you know i'm just like praise jesus i'm praying for you <laughs> god that's gotta be crazy yeah i would i honestly yeah. much better person than me i would be playing i would be teasing people the wrong way about that i think or, or doing 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. For sure. You know what? I thought, Vicky, the last um, uh, the last thing here, I did think of the question that I was going to ask you before. Um, and then, um, then we'll just have you just tell everyone about you know, your social media handles and your website and stuff. But the question I have real quick, I thought of it. This is not, it's, it's, this is so lame too. Like it's, I built it up like it's some great question. It's not, it's a really simple question, but I'm curious how many thousands of people were you go, fill up these arenas for these, you know, shows. And I know they're all sort of different, but like when you're touring around, what, what are the crowd size? I'm curious. I'm just curious. Like, what are we talking here? Well, let's see. I guess for AEW in these last two months, I've performed for maybe 30 people in, inside the arena. But with WWE, I think our WrestleMania shows were almost 95,000, you know, in these outdoor stadiums. Jesus um, Christ. Holy yeah. God. Yeah. So that's a little intimidating being on the microphone, you know. But, um, yeah, we've had some really, you know, by the grace of God, we sold out in a lot of arenas. So we'd have – for a regular TV, maybe, you know, 20,000 on a regular night, you know, just doing a live TV. Um, house shows, you know, it's still, you know, 1,000, you know, 2,000 people is still a good crowd. And then when I work the indies, which are shows that are just um, promotions that are beginning for promoters, we call these the independent shows. I've wrestled or I've, I've performed in front of 50 people. Yeah. And those, those are the worst ones to perform because you hear everything from their mouth. You can hear they are vile to me. <laughs> At least in a, a crowd of 80,000, you know, it's kind of a, ah, it's just a roar and it, it doesn't bother you. But yeah, those smaller crowds, I'm very grateful for because they do pay the ticket. And I, I always want to make sure that I give 100% and I give them the best 10 minutes that I can or however long I'm out there. But yeah, the smaller crowds is a little more, uh, you hear a lot more that's going on in their mouth. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that. Um, that. That's an interesting way to, I mean, 50 people sounds like a lot to me. That's, that's like a, that's a big crowd to me. Like 95,000, I wouldn't even, I just, I just throw the mic like, guys, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. This is I just prayed I wouldn't fall in front of those 90 to 5,000 people, and I did it, so I was good. <laughs> in heels running down a ramp. Yeah, that could be intimidating. <laughs> in heels. I can't even imagine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Well, that's great, Vicky. Uh, listen, I've had such a wonderful conversation with you. Honestly, this has been oh, just you. amazing. You're so sweet, and uh, you're a great storyteller. To be oh. Great storyteller. Um, so I, I know our listeners and our viewers are going to be really, really engaged with this episode. So I'm really excited and learn a lot of stuff. Uh, this is great. And you say, you know, a lot of powerful things have happened in your life. You've been through a lot, a lot of adversity and come out on the other side. And that's very respectful and inspiring. And uh, I know we can all learn from that. Um, so, yeah, Vicky, um, again, thank you so much for coming on. But, you know, before you go, definitely let us know how to keep in contact with you on social media, you know, website, any stuff you want to tell people about. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Vicky Guerrero. On Instagram, I'm at Guerrero underscore Vicky. I have a website, which is uh, VickyGuerrero.net. I just joined Twitch. God help me with this one. But it's, uh, excuse me, VG. And um, this is going to be really interesting to me playing games and, you know, getting on that. So that'll be fun. But I'm getting ready. Um, I'm working on my autobiography which is life before and after Eddie. And it's, I'm really proud of this project, which I talk about a lot of things that I wanted to relate to other women and parents that are raising, you know, kids on their own. So uh, that's been in the works with COVID. It's slowed down quite a bit because my publishers are in New York. So we've kind of put a hold on that with all reason, because I want to release the book when things are in a lot better situation. And so we're working on that on a daily basis. And um, you can find me at all elite wrestling every Wednesday on TNT. Bam. That's how you do it. That's how you know this. You know this. You know these piece to cameras. Um uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh wow, this book sounds amazing. Uh, that's great to hear. That's a good, good little knowledge uh drop there. Um well, that's yeah. wish you all the best of luck with um you know, with everything that you got coming up and um I'm really glad that you and your family are are able to stay safe and everything um, you know, during this time. So 
Uh, my best to you. I appreciate it. Absolutely, of course. Um, you know, my best to you with everything going on. And um, yeah, again, thank you so much for for taking the time and uh, for giving our listeners um, a great episode here. Really excited. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for having me on. And it was so much fun. And I wish you all success. Thank you so much, Vicky. All right. Well, again, enjoy the rest of your evening and um, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. The Lone Star Plate Podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. (laughs) 